Welcome back to the Go in the Match podcast. Today I'm very excited to be joined by Keg from the Magpie channel, where we're going to be discussing the official takeover of Newcastle Football Club by Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Keg, thanks so much, mate, for giving up your time and coming on the podcast. Not a problem, mate. Happy to be on. Happy to talk about New- Newcastle in a positive light for once, because I, I don't <laughs> think we've spoke about it many times before. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, you came on the podcast last year and we discussed your time growing up as a Newcastle fan. So for any listeners that haven't got on that, go back through the archives and listen to that because some really good stories on there. But Keg, as I said at the start, Newcastle United have now been taken over. Talk to me, mate. How are you feeling? <laughs> it's it's a bit too soon, really, to contemplate this because like like things aren't going to change overnight. Like we've got a game next weekend, like against. Uh, Spurs was going to be a bit of a tough test to start the season well but the last three games have been a bit bad but currently we still have Steve Bruce and we've still got the same old players that we've had for the past couple of seasons so things aren't going to change overnight but we've got a smile on our face again that's that's all we've been asking for for so many years because we all know what Mike Ashley's put us through we had a little bit of moment like people don't understand like why we liked Rafa so much because the football wasn't too dissimilar to Steve Bruce. Like the results weren't great, but with Rafa, we always had a bit of a bit of hope, a little bit of optimism, which we don't get with Steve Bruce. Like we always thought, if we got taken over with Rafa Benitez, would be in good stead because Rafa would know how to spend it wisely and put us put us right, get us on the right path. But with Steve Bruce, none of that. So now we've got the right ownership. We need to get the manager sorted, but. Like it's positivity, something to look forward to, and like it's not going to be an overnight thing. Nobody's expecting we to win the league next season, even like it's going to be a long plan. Like we need to correct a lot of Mike Ashley's wrongs because the club has been rotten from the core for 15 years. So these guys have got a lot of work to do, but they've got the money to do it. So I'm happy to be patient. I'm not expecting miracles in one year, two years, but like I say, optimism, hope, a future to be happy about. So that's all we've been asking for. So couldn't be happier at the minute, mate. Yeah, like like you say, leading on to Mike Ashley there. You know, I think it's 14 years, I think I'm right in saying, mm-hmm. that yeah. owner of the club. And, you know, we know how much fight Newcastle fans have had to endure to get him out of the club. Just tell me your emotions now, just seeing the back of him, like your initial emotions about that. Honestly, that's the key thing, like I know everybody's going to look at who's buying it and Newcastle's now in the world media, the, the spotlight's shining down on us as we're now the richest club in the world. But that was never what we wanted or even expected. All we wanted was Mike Ashley to be gone. As he's been dragging this club through the mud for so, so long. We've been protesting and almost rioting at occasions over the past few years to get this man out of the club. So it's like, St. James's isn't what it used to be. Like people like you, like fans from across the country, across the world, even will know what a St. James's Park atmosphere is like. What yeah. Newcastle fans, what our passion and like home atmosphere, even away ends when we go down to other grounds. You know what we're like. Yeah, going to St. James's over the past few years is it's been awkward because it, it just hasn't been the same. Like the, we've got no love for the club anymore like like most of us just don't even care about football anymore because it's been that bad but so all we've wanted for the past few years is to get this man who's taken all of that away from us out of the club so we can have a better day 
So that's the key thing for me. He's gone. I remember a few years ago, Amanda Stavely, who has been a key part in this takeover, who now owns 10% of the club, she's been trying to get a deal done to take over for Newcastle for a long time. I remember, I think she first came on the table with a deal with Peter Kenyon, but they, they needed funds. So between her and Peter Kenyon, they didn't even have the funds, but that was just like, seemed like a hot thing on the table. Like she, like they came up to Newcastle, they watched a game. I can't remember which one it was, but we were just so excited at the prospect of someone else taking over, even though they didn't have the funds. Yeah. Like if that deal had gone through, we might even have been in a worse situation than Mike Ashley. If people haven't got the funds to buy the club, how much can they invest? Yeah. But even then we were like, oh, get in, Mike Ashley might be gone. But now, like they say, like it hasn't even been, we haven't even considered it being the richest club in the world. Obviously we'll have thought about it over the past 18 months because it's been such a long, long ongoing saga. But like that was number one, get Mike Ashley out. And the fact that we are now the richest club in the world is a dream that nobody could have envisioned. Like it's mad to say, sit here and think, because I think the news only broke about 24 hours ago. So 48 hours ago, to, if I thought I was going to be sitting here saying that Newcastle United are the richest club in the world, I'd ask you to punch a square in the face because I must be must be on something. <laughs> it's not right. Like uh, yeah, it's still weird to get my head around, and it's going to take a long, long time to even process. Like when we get the first big name signing through the door. It's, even that's going to feel like, nah, Newcastle. Why are these players signing for Newcastle? But that's then, that's going to be a year or two, three, four down the line, but which I can't wait for it to happen. You touched on there about the sort of atmosphere it's being like at St. James's Park over the last couple of years, you know, under Mike Ashley's reign. And we touched on it last year and when you came on the podcast that, you know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Newcastle and the fans, you know very similar to my club in Liverpool and, and our fans in terms of passion and, you know, working class people, you know, I absolutely love that. So just seeing the atmosphere from the fans gathering around St. James's yesterday for that news of, of mm-hmm. the takeover, just tell us what, how much of a relief is it, I'd imagine, you know, the fans as a whole, the whole fan base, how that will lessen the toxic atmosphere around the ground that you touched on there. Do you think that will, will do you think that'll be a quick thing or like a steady thing? In terms of the atmosphere, I think it's going to be an immediate thing. Like you say, if you've seen the news yesterday, all the fans, there was thousands of fans outside St. James's. Like, we had to do a massive clean-up this morning because we left it looking like a festival. I was like, crushed beer cans all over the place. So, we didn't, I know like Amanda Stavely and her husband came to the club this morning, so I'm pretty sure that's not the first thing they want to see walking into St. James's Park. Thousands of beer cans and broken bottles scattered all over the place. So, uh, But yeah, no, like, I just the news, the club put out the... the um, Spurs game next weekend has sold out. I can't remember the last time a Newcastle game sold out. Like, let's say, like, we've got a hope and an optimism that we've never had before. The last home game I managed to get to was a little while ago now because I've been just a little bit busy with things, was the 2 2 draw with Southampton. And it was so toxic. Like, it was almost upsetting because that was the first time we've been able to really get the pressure on Steve Bruce because last season, no fans and a I think the first game West Ham was okay because we scored a couple of goals in the first half. But that yeah. game, it was like the first half was as bad as I've ever seen. It's like the performance from the players was drastic. So it was the first time I've been in the stadium where it's been full capacity, where we've been getting on Steve Bruce's back and it was so, so toxic. But a thing that I've seen today, which um, there's a group called War Flags. So they're like, I know like New- uh, at Liverpool at Anfield, especially on like European nights, like you do out the cop ends like draped with flags and stuff like 
when Rafa was here, like we had loads of them. You can Google Newcastle flags and you can see all the work that War Flags have done over the past couple of years, I think it is. They've been boycotting. And I think they may have been a big part of the lessened atmosphere at St. James's not being there with their flags and displaying stuff. So they said that they're going to stay away until Mike Ashley sells up. So they made a statement today that they're coming back. They're going to plan a big display for the Spurs game. So, And it's going to be a sellout. First time in a long, long time, it's going to be a sellout with the flags and stuff. So immediately the atmosphere will change. Let's say there's going to be a hope and an optimism from the fans. The performances aren't going to change. I don't know if Steve Bruce is going to take charge of that Spurs game. Hopefully not. But if he does or it's somebody else, I know performances aren't going to change. We haven't won a game this season. We're 19th in the league, rooted in the relegation battle, which I think we will be for the rest of the season. Performances may not improve too much. We've got a January transfer window and hopefully a change of manager on the horizon. So I think we'll survive. I think we'll be quite comfortable. I think we've got a good enough squad to survive. It's just the way we've been managed. Like We don't deserve to be in the Premier League the way we've been over the past few years, but with the starting eleven on paper, it's more than good enough to be nowhere near that bottom three. I think we're as good a team in that bottom half as, as anybody down there. So just a little bit of, like like I say, changing coaching. If we can keep players fit, people like Callum Wilson, who's been out for a while, so Maximin, our key players, if we can keep them fit, better coaching will be absolutely sound so we can move on next year and have a bit of, have a bit of hope. But... Yeah, so let's say like the atmosphere is going to change immediately while performances on the pitch probably aren't. Yeah, and you touched on before about Amanda Stavely. You know, she's been sort of heading this takeover from what I've seen looking in mm-hmm. from the outside. Can you sort of let us know what sort of her role will be going forward in, under this new ownership? Yeah, so I think she, I don't entirely know like, exactly because there's quite a few people regarding like PIF. So we've got the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia and various other people within PIF that I think are taking a role. We've got the Rubin brothers as well from London. They're going to own 10%. And uh, Amanda Stavely is going to own 10%. So I think she's going to be more day-to-day. Like she spoke, like she's been like the forefront of this. She's been like the face of this takeover. She was on Sky Sports last night. And I think again this morning, speaking to Keith Downey, and Keith asked if she's going to be based in Newcastle, which she said she is. Like she's a Yorkshire girl herself, so she's a northerner. So she's going to be heading up most of this because I, I don't know how much day-to-day involvement the Saudis are going to have. I don't suppose any of them are going to be Newcastle-based. So I think she's going to be like the front runner, her and her husband. I think her, they're going to take day-to-day running of the club. So they, they, she's been trying to get this done for a while. She spoke very, very highly of the club and the history and the fans. And before this, she was trying to get this deal done with other consortiums, other potential bidders. Uh, like she seems over the over the moon to have this finally done now, and if she's happy with this, then so are we. Like if she's been this desperate to get this done for us, for the fans, then she's already our hero. Like we're over the moon that she managed to rope the Saudis in. However, she managed to do it and make us the richest club in the world. Like we owe everything to her, really. So yeah, absolutely buzzing with whatever she does. <laughs> like uh, she's she's got the keys to Newcastle now. <laughs> And I think something I picked up on during this whole thing is such an important thing that the, the new ownership had mentioned that they want to improve things like, you know, the training facilities mm-hmm. in and around the ground for the community um, and like the academy and things like that. And you've seen Man City do the similar thing over the years. It's, re- it's worked well for them, to be fair. Is that sort of statement something that really pleases you as well as a fan? Absolutely. That's the main thing for me, really. Uh 
obviously we know like the struggles Newcastle have had on the field. But I say Newcastle's been rotten from the core. Like there's so much to be done. Like that's why I said before, I'm patient for results on the field. Like as long as we stay in the Premier League, we'll get the right players and the right coaches. That'll come in time. People talking about winning the Premier League and stuff. I'm not even remotely interested. I'm just interested in a future and the, the positivity that's going to come with this. But like the stadium, we're talking about the famous St. James's Park Stadium, rich in history. It's fallen apart. It's so outdated. I'm not sure what it's like in the away end, but in like the, the main end in the concourse and stuff, it's it's like brown brick. It's just boring. There's like tiny little TV monitors. Like th- there's actually a picture I've been going around where there's a small TV monitor with like four screw holes, like either side of it. So it's like they've taken down a bigger monitor and put a smaller one right in its place. And it's still got the screw holes where you can see the bigger one used to be. But like, I think we've got a new training ground in about 2003, 2004, which hasn't been touched. I've seen Brighton's got a new complex, which looks amazing. Even Sunderland's down in League One looks better than what ours is. Like the training ground's been completely neglected. The stadium's been neglected. It's covered in moss. It's it's minging. Like it's it needs so much work done. The youth academy, we haven't really produced anyone in recent years other than the Longstaff brothers, really. And Sean's massively questionable. Matty's out on loan at the minute. And before that, you're looking at the likes of Paul Dummett and Andy Carroll. Like, how long ago did Liverpool sign Andy Carroll? It was like 2010. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we just don't produce. Like, there hasn't been the funds. There's been no care or attention to the club. So that's the main thing for me. And uh, regarding, like, the community as well. Like, yeah, like, like Man City done that. It's like the, the Sheikh Mansur put a lot of money into the community of Manchester. But you can also talk about Leicester as well. Like, like rest in peace to their own. I died a few years ago, like... That's why people were more devastated. Like around the country, I'm sure you were as well, as much as I was, as much as any Leicester fan was devastated with that news. Yeah, yeah. Like not only from taking Leicester from League One and winning the Premier League against all odds, but like he invested in like hospitals and schools and put a lot of money into Leicestershire, not just Leicester City. And yeah. that's what we need. Like, like Newcastle, it's, it's a big city. Like you, you've had a few nights out there in Sam Jackson stuff. You know what Newcastle's like. Like, it's not a bad city, but it could definitely do with a, a little bit of investment. And we're not even asking it from football. Like, you don't even really think about it. If people like the Leicester and Man City owners are going to come and invest in the city as much as the club, great. Like, nobody expects that from a football owner. So if they're going to come and do that, that's that's an added bonus. That's great. But in terms of the football, yeah, like, they've got a lot of work to do. They need to start from the ground up. And if if trophies and like Mbappe people keep talking about like world-class players and managers if that doesn't come for another few years I'm not bothered because like, like we've got a future to think about we need to start building the club up because it's been knocked down like from the club like you grew up knowing like the entertainers era the Bobby Robson era when Shearer was one of the best strikers in the world like we're a million million miles from that and that's all because of what Mike Ashley's done at the sheer neglect of the club so these guys have got a lot of money to invest to build this club back up to what it once was and make it greater than what it previously was. And obviously, I think it's widely reported that the new ownership coming in, it'll sort of coincide with, you know, the potential sacking of Steve Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, again, how much of a relief is that also that you'll <laughs> be bringing in a different manager, a different style of yeah. play? And, and I suppose another question, is there 
anyone that you have in mind personally, someone that you'd like to see come through? Uh, well, yeah, it is a massive relief to get Steve Bruce out. Like he's took a lot of the criticism over the past couple of years, which is warranted in my opinion. Like we know the root of all evil. It has been Mike Ashley. Any owner with any ambition in the Premier League wouldn't even appoint Steve Bruce. If it was any anyone that's just come up, if it was like Norwich or Watford, if they appointed Steve Bruce, I'd be like, oh, sorry, lads. Like nobody deserves Steve Bruce, man. Like he's an absolute dinosaur. He hasn't got a clue. He's got a track record. He, he is statistically the Premier League's worst manager in history with his win percentage. Like so, like the the way he's been operating things, even the way he handles himself in the media, he comes across a right idiot, man. Yeah. Like we we don't deserve it. He hasn't got a clue about. He's openly admitted to not having tactics and stuff. Uh, like. I'm over the moon to get him out the door. Like as soon as that comes around, the better. But who's going to replace him? I don't know. Currently, I don't care because I think anything literally would be an improvement. Like any one of our older managers, like Chris Hutton, who struggled this season in the championship at Forest, I'd take him back. I'd take literally anybody at the minute. Like anybody, I think there's an improvement on Steve Bruce, giving a young manager a chance. Like a I don't know, like a, like a Michael Carrick, like he's a local lad, being like assistant at Man United for a few years. Like anybody will do it in the short term. I think that's the best way to go about it at the minutes. Like we're going to talk about who we could get. I'm not diving into any names. Like let's say, I think anybody's an improvement. I think if they're going to do things right, get the right guy. I think that'll take time. Hopefully they may have already had that time. Let's say it's been about an 18 month ongoing saga. So within that time, you'd have thought, they already have a shortlist and might already have things set in motion behind the scenes that we don't know about. But I, I'd be happy to wait because some managers are still going to be in a contract. Like, like, like take your guy, Jurgen Klopp, for example. He's out of contract at the end of the year. Yeah, He hasn't signed a new one yet. So if we can set like a pre-agreement, like what Jose Mourinho done last year with uh, Roma, he signed an agreement before the season was over. So if we can appoint, like even Graham Jones, like Graham Jones is a very good coach in our backroom staff at the minute helped England get to the final of the Euros. I'd be okay with him being our interim manager until the end of the season. Yeah. While we'll work in the background to employ a potential suitor, whether it's Klopp or Conte has been spoke about, but I think Conte said today he's not going to come to Newcastle well anybody in the Premier League unless he thinks he can win a Premier League title straight away. So yeah, whoever it's going to be, we can fish for somebody. Nagelsmann, Ten Hag, I've heard Steven, Steven Gerrard's been named a few times, but all these guys are still in contract. So as long as they're going to work behind the scenes, if it takes a few months, as long as they're going to be there for the first, whenever the start of the next season starts, like the 1st of July, and as long as we've got somebody lined up for the 1st of July with a transfer budget and transfer targets to reshape this club from the summer, the, the near future, I'm not really too concerned about as long as, I say, we get Steve Bruce out and progress. So, yeah, Graham Jones for now is good enough for me. I think he's an improvement on Steve Bruce. And then, look, take the next few months to really fish for the right person, someone who's going to be the manager for five to 10 to 15 years and start winning some trophies with us. Yeah, it's a big thing about it as well, just being able to compete again. Because for so long, it's almost been like you've just been in the league to exist rather mm-hmm. than, you know, yeah. eating and, you know, cut runs, you boys usually seem to go out quite early. It's just mm-hmm. being able to compete again going to be a big thing for you. Absolutely, yeah. Like, see, like we shouldn't be anywhere near that bottom three. Like, if, like, there's always a comparison between Rafa and Steve Bruce. 
like, people don't realize that Rafa was on such a big wage. He didn't get much of a transfer budget, whereas Steve Bruce was probably underpaid. So now we can afford to go for the likes of Callum Wilson and Alan Maxman and spend 40 million on Joe Linton. Like, there's just a, a difference there. So, yeah, like, we just haven't been able to compete even in the bottom half, which yeah. is not where anybody wants to be. Nobody wants to exist. Nobody wants to be there just to make up the numbers and aim for 16th, 17th every year as we've been doing. Like we believe we should be better than that. I know people get a, a misconception with Newcastle, like especially like over the past few years, going, oh, they're, they're whinging, like at least they're still in the Premier League. They think they want to be in the top four, they want to be winning the title. Nobody said that. Even back in the Kevin Keegan era, we still didn't win nothing. But just to be competing again, even in the top 10, that's where we want to be, really. Like if we can battle for that whatever it's called, the Europa B League or whatever the crack is where you finish eighth and still get into competition. I don't even know what that's called anymore. But just to be in and around that bracket, like knocking on the door, yeah. not being afraid of playing teams like Liverpool and like Man City, because when we come to play them, you think, oh Christ, this could be like five, six nil. Like As long as we're going to go into games like that and think we're going to give these a go again, like we did like in like 2004 under Bobby Robson back in like 97 with Kevin Keegan. That's where we want to be. Like, it's winning trophies further down the line. Yeah, that's great. But just competing, just having a bit of faith and optimism in the team, just thinking that we can go into games and actually win, not going into teams like like Watford and thinking, oh, I'd take a draw here. Yeah. Like, that's basically what we're doing at the minute. It's like, we're just looking point for point, just trying to survive. And it's boring. It's really not good to watch. Like, the entertainment value, like Keegan's entertainers, like, this is just Brucey survivors. Like, we're just literally just trying to finish 17th every year, and it's crap as a fan. Like, what? Like, we're so unenthused by games at the minute. I know most Newcastle fans just can't be bothered anymore. That's why the atmosphere at St. James's has just been so drastic. Like, we haven't sold out in a long, long time, and it's understandable. Like, it's not fun to watch. Like, you want to be entertained by football, you want to go to games, see your team perform well, score some goals, three points, go have some beers. With Newcastle, like like the last game I went to Southampton, I went for a few beers beforehand with some of the lads. And just like as soon as you walk through the turnstiles at St. James's, your mood just drops. Like it's like so quick. You're thinking, why am I here? Like, yeah. why did I even bother coming here? Like, I should have just stayed up with the lads. Should, like, we're having a good day. It was like a sunny day. Like, coming here just puts a fucking dampener on your mood. <laughs> like, it's, it's not great. So, yeah, like just as long as we can start competing, like step by step, break top 10. Eight, six, four. If it's like if it's a ten-year plan, then fantastic. Just as long as things are changing and looking on the up. So obviously, the feeling amongst the fan base is wildly that of relief, happiness, and mm-hmm. just wondering: is there anything you're particularly worried about at all with the takeover? Um, that's why I'm saying I want to kind of take things slowly and do things organically. I think if we rush into it too much, because we can't afford it, if the owners want to go out and buy a manager out of that contract or go in January and look at getting like Mbappe and Haaland and stuff, it might not be good for us. I have seen recently that uh, we could spend about 200 million because Mike Ashley's put us actually in good financial stead, like financial fair play wouldn't get involved if we spent 200 million in one window, which is good to know. But yeah, I, I didn't, I don't really want to do it straight away. Like if you think like Man City, like they signed a couple of our old boys, like uh, Craig Bellamy and Shea Given when they got taken over, 
and Gareth Barry. Like you looked to like experience like people that's done the Premier League before. Going out getting foreigners can often be a bit of a risk. Like not everybody takes to the Premier League. We've seen yeah. with the likes of like like Higuain and Morata and people like that, Falcao, Di Maria didn't yeah. hit the ground running in the Premier League. So that's a slight concern. But the biggest thing is like everybody's kind of criticized this deal, saying Newcastle fans shouldn't want this deal because of the Saudis, because of their human rights record. And like, we just don't really want to be tarnished with us. Like as fans, we can't control anything. Like people are slandering us for what being happy about this takeover because of who they are. Like we've been through so much in the past few years. We're just happy to see a brighter day. Like I said before, I didn't care who was going to take over as long as it was, long as it wasn't Mike Ashley. So are they the right people to take over? I don't know. At the minute, I don't particularly care. Like, yeah, it's not the greatest. Like, I know that's probably going to be protested in James's, like the human rights people. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, the company. It begins with an A. I can't remember who they are, but they're, they're the ones that were like putting statements out yesterday saying that the Premier League are, are a disgrace for letting this to go through. So, I don't know. It's it's a bit of an awkward one, really. Like, you, you, on one hand, you don't want to say that you're happy because the Saudis have taken over because of who they are, because of their human rights. But on the other hand, you're just happy that yeah. We've got some money and we've got some funds and stuff. So it puts us in a little bit of an awkward situation because you don't want to get too happy without people going, oh, well, human rights and blah, blah, blah. Like, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit tricky. And hopefully, I know they're trying to sort things out. Like, I know that like, it's a different world over there. Like, that maybe is like a bit behind the times, but I know that, that they're trying to sort things out. That's why this deal was able to go through because they stopped the piracy in the country by allowing being sports back in. So they're trying to do things the right way, but... A country like that, again, it's like Newcastle United. It's not going to happen overnight. Like, that maybe is a little bit behind the times. The maybe don't do things the way we do things in the Western world. But, you know, like, that, that trying, and that's all we can really ask for. Like, people can't really hate us for being happy that this deal's gone through. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of a jealousy, isn't it? You know, about, course, yeah. about looking at it, I think you've been through enough. I think you deserve to have a bit of a <laughs> Um, but I, I suppose another thing from their point of view is, you know, you've got the ground, you've got the fan base, you know, the fan base is massive. It's passionate. You know, a lot of those things are already there. You know, it mm-hmm. just needs the investment, yeah. doesn't it? And I suppose where the investment comes in, we've already discussed about the community and, you know, the academy and, and things like this. But when we're looking at the squad in general, and I know you've mentioned already that you'd like to see them steadily do it, you know, do you actually think they will do a bit of a Rabinho Man City sign in the January coming? Do you think that would be good or? Um, Come on. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't be like, oh, no, I don't go and buy like a world-class player. Like, But like things didn't really work out with Rabinho, did they? Like, he, he was too good for that team at the time. Like, I know we've got a few people in there like Sir Maximin and Callum Wilson who could compete with any of the top six clubs. Yeah. But... So if we did go out and do that, then yeah, I'd be over the moon. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be angry at it, of course. But I don't know. Like it's, it is a bit of a funny one. So yeah, like I'd, I'd like to just go about it the right way. And of course, like the financial fair play, we don't really want to tick anybody off. Like Man City's had their struggles; they've been fined and had Champions League suspensions for this kind of thing. So I think that would be like doing it organically would be better for the club and putting the money 
let's say before, like in the right places, because it's, it's not just about what's on the field. It's massive. Like it's right throughout the club that there's got to be millions, if not billions of pounds invested to take us the right way. So, yeah, it's, it, it has gone a, a mad way at Newcastle from, like I say, like where we used to be to where we are now, like just the way like the stadium is. Like we have got the fan base. Yeah, right. We have got the stadium, 52,000, still one of the biggest stadiums in the country. It just needs a mega makeover. Like people are saying, like, oh, do you want a new stadium if they knock it down and build a bigger one somewhere else? I don't particularly want that. Like St. James's has got history and it's known for being like a city centre ground. Like a lot of other football clubs have stadiums like on like the outskirts of that city. Like St. James's is right in the heart of the city. It's a big enough stadium, right in the centre. It's got the fan base. It's got everything. It's just been run down. It needs needs a massive makeover. That'll cost a, a couple of million to get it looking good again, right to where it needs to be. Um, yeah. So $320 billion, I think the club will be valued at now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, put that into context for the listeners. I think Man City are valued at 23. So, you know, <laughs> um, I suppose something I was really interested in getting your thoughts on was obviously all eyes are on Newcastle United now from a global perspective. Um now, that's going to bring more global fan bases in. Mm-hmm. Um, something I was quite interested in getting your thoughts on was, do you think that's going to be a good thing, you know, seeing all these global fan bases coming to Newcastle? Um, do you think that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing? You know, obviously, I think it's a good thing for Newcastle. It's going to bring more yeah. into, you know, the economy and, you know, restaurants and pubs, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's absolutely brilliant. But I suppose something that I've seen being a Liverpool fan is, you know, with a lot of more touristy fans and, you know, people yeah. go for a one-off game. Is that something that you've maybe had to, had to think about at all? Or? I have, yeah. Like, you're right. Like, I've been to, like, a few other stadiums across the country, like like Old Trafford's one that rings out. Like, everybody that you hear around the ground are, like, Chinese or German or Scandinavian. Like, there's there doesn't seem to be many, like, local fans. Like, places like... Uh, I haven't actually been to Anfield in a long, long time, but, like... um. Stamford Bridge and uh, the Emirates and stuff like it's yeah. often very very quiet like you just think like like even at, at the Emirates actually I remember last time I was there I was looking around and it's got like like fan bases from all over the world it's got like flags and like 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 the Saudi Gunas and like people from like Malaysia Australia like all over the place so I don't mind I think it's good for the club to have a bit more support because we have been asleep in giants. Like we are a big club and it's now finally time for people to wake up and realize that. So if you want to come and support us from afar, I think it'll be good. Like you say, for the economy, if people are going to come and put like expenses into the club, like into the city, if the owners are going to start investing, if like pubs, restaurants, as you say, then I can only assume it's going to be a good thing in, in, in a long time. Will we end up like, like, like a Man United being a bit too touristy? Maybe, but you're going to have to fight with for tickets. Yeah. Like St. James's is, like you say, like Newcastle fans are mad passionate. Like most of us have got season tickets, like 52,000. It's a big stadium, but there is bigger. So if people are going to come from far and wide to get a ticket, then fair play to you. But like, people are going to have more interest in this now. Like like the Tottenham game, it says, sold out for the first time in a long, long time. And for the rest of the season, even though the football might be rubbish, it's probably going to continue to sell out because there's going to be more interest and people are going to start applying for season tickets more now because next season or the season afterwards, whenever you can get your hands on one, I'm not sure how long the waiting list is, but 
there's going to be a lot more interest. So if people might struggle to get a ticket. Yeah. So now, it's, it's good for me. Now you've uh, got loads of money, mate. Any chance you'll get uh, some lift in that away end so we haven't got to walk up them stairs? <laughs> yeah, I'll get on the phone to my man that nice and let her know. <laughs> uh, but no, to be fair, like we've been trying to say that for years and years. I don't know if it's been Mike Ashley or whoever, but I know we would like away fans to be low ads. Like it, it is a ridiculous. I've, I've been in level seven on the other side. It's it's an absolute mission. It's awful. So yeah, like, I, I know we would like it to be low ad. I think it would create a better atmosphere being like closer to like the home fans. I would like that, and I know most of our fans would like that. So. Hopefully it does happen and hopefully you haven't got to climb as many stairs and get your binoculars out when you get to the top. <laughs> um, just before you go, mate, where can our listeners catch you and the Magpie channel as well? Yeah, so search for us at the Magpie channel TV on YouTube. That's the only YouTube channel where you can find us. Follow us at the Magpie channel on Instagram and we are Magpie channel underscore on Twitter. Happy days, mate. Just before you go, just a massive thank you for giving me time coming on and, uh, Genuinely, because I know how much frustration you've had and the fan base have had with Ashley. You know, I made up for you, and so all the best with it as well. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. We'll talk again next year when Mbappe comes. <laughs> if you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes, please make sure you subscribe, follow and share. And of course, leave us a five-star rating. You can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all at Go In The Match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast.